Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I will be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depth of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will explore the purpose of humanity. This will include what our purpose is, how we have experienced that truth, and how knowing our purpose is central to living a grace-filled life. But first, John Piper in his book, Desiring God, had this to say about the purpose of humanity. Man is given the exalted status of image bearer, not so he would become arrogant or autonomous, as he tried to do in the fall, but so he would reflect the glory of his maker, whose image he bears. God's purpose in creation, therefore, was to fill the earth with his own glory. This is made clear, for example, in Numbers 14:21, where the Lord says, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And in Isaiah 43, 7, where the Lord refers to his people as those whom I created for my glory. So here comes episode four, Purpose of Humanity. Here we go. Joining me today is Bo Brezina. Hello. Jamie Ferris-Piles. Hi. And Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. How are you guys doing today? Good. 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 Awesome. Well, we're going to jump right in and start uh, discussing what our purpose is as humans. So off the bat, we're going to start here. And I read that quote about what John Piper said about our purpose as humans, and the Bible makes that clear as well. That can mean a lot of different things to people, what it means to glorify God. And so uh, how would you guys clarify, Ben, I'll start with you, how would you clarify what it means to glorify God? Yeah, I think it's it's confusing because there's different aspects of God's glory in the Bible. When we see the visible presence of God, it's represented as intense, blinding light. Yeah. And so you got this idea of the Shekinah glory, you know, with the tabernacle, Moses at the burning bush, seeing the glory of God. Moses being in God's presence and then radiating light, that's kind of that concept. But this other concept that we talk about in the living in Jesus that is the display of his character. And mm-hmm. so as I think about that aspect of God's glory, it's what he declared when Moses said, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to pass by you and show you my glory. And when he did, he passed by and he spoke about his character. Mm. And his character was he was slow to get angry and he was rich in mercy and abounding in loving kindness to generations. So that's the kind of glory, I think, that we're designed to manifest. Now, I think the Bible also speaks to our future new bodies as radiating light. But that's another aspect of that that not any of us are light bulbs per sure. se now. <laughs> so that I think is some of the confusion there. That's kind of how I see it when we talk about it in this study. It's what are we manifesting into the world? When God manifests his character, that's his glory. So those are the things that I think about. I think about Jesus and John 17, talking about the glory that the Father had given him, he has given to us. And that is a, a big concept. Mm-hmm. It's but I think it ties into that manifestation of the character and the essence of who God is that Ben was talking about. Yeah. It's definitely different than I grew up thinking about glory. <laughs> I think thought mostly about showing God's glory just through what I was doing. Was I saying the right thing or obeying God? Mm. And uh, it's a, a very grand thought to think about being a recipient of the gift of God's glory. Yeah, Yeah, I got that same sense where it was like, you uh, had to do something for God in order for other people to see who God was type of idea. Yeah. Well, I think you're speaking about John Piper and using one of his quotes reminded me of one of my favorite quotes of his. I don't always agree with everything he says, but yeah. I love this. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And mm-hmm. I think about... What I know of him now, I grew up thinking the same thing, that it was what I did that Mm -hmm. glorified him. And now what glorifies him is the finished work of Christ in me. And when I rest in that and when I expect him to show up and meet those needs and be who he is through me, then I am most glorifying to Mm -hmm. him. You know, there's a verse in Matthew where Jesus talks about letting our light shine so that others may see our good deeds and glorify God. And that whole aspect, I mean, it's easy to focus on, okay, we need to be doing good works, like what you're saying. 
But what he said before even people seeing our good deeds is let our light shine. Mm. And who's our light? Jesus says, yeah. I'm the light of the world. Yep. So that, that totally changes the concept. He's the light. He lives in us, and we let him shine. And people see our deeds, and they say, wow, there's God in that person. And that's a whole different thing than, than yeah, me saying, yes. i got to do some good work so I can give God some glory here. So it sounds like what we're saying or trying to say is that it's because of God giving himself to us that we are then able to shine a light or have good deeds or be an example or have the characters that Jesus did because of what he's given us. Well, I think that's the original design. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got off track, but definitely that's the original design. Yeah. And, and the, the neat thing about that is more quote unquote good behavior will come out of resting in that powerful glory that he's gifted us. Yeah. And I could ever generate through my own effort. Sure. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those scientific experiments where you pedal a bike and it, it generates enough electricity to cause a light bulb mm-hmm. to yeah. flicker. Yeah. And the harder you pedal, the brighter the light shines. Yep. But if you get tired, then the light just kind of goes out. Yeah. And that was my methodology of, of trying hard to glorify God versus I'm plugged into the, you know, the grid, so to speak, <laughs> where this power is flowing in me. The glory of God has been gifted to me because of this indwelling spirit mm-hmm. and the light of the world is in me. And so what happens is more glorifying behavior comes out than ever because of that power that's in me. It's not me generating it. Yeah, well, it goes back to one of the things we talked about earlier on, which is our concept of God. So understanding how having a correct concept of God actually helps us glorify Him more. Because like you guys are saying, if we don't know how to generate glory, where that's coming from, that God's given that to us, we don't, we don't even, you know, we're going to just try within our own efforts. Yeah. Well, for me, you're talking about concept of God. Yep. My early concept of God is, is that, yeah, God loves me and he saved me, but he's not a hundred percent happy with me unless I'm doing good things. Mm. And that sets you up for that. You know, I got to try harder to glorify him, to get him to love more. Yeah, that's really good. And that wore me out with, cause you know, ever really know, if, if you don't believe the truth of who God is, that he is already pleased with me because of Christ's work on the cross, his mm-hmm. finished work on the cross, uh, then I'm all, if I have an incorrect concept of him, I'm going to be trying to glorify him when he's saying, in essence, I've already made you acceptable, mm-hmm. rest in that, and then that will display my glory. Yeah, awesome. It's easy to take verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 31 that says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God and say, oh, well, that's me. I got to do it. And and so you need we need the whole idea of the gospel and what Jesus came to do in order to cast that light that you're talking about mm-hmm. and, and discover that it's not me generating it in my own strength. Well, I agree because I know there's another verse in St. Corinthians where Paul talks about, I think it was Paul, he said, uh, everything that you say is said as the utterance of God. Everything that you do is done with that power. If you're serving, you're serving with his power, and that is all to the glory of God or done as glorifying him. So the concept is that it's God in us that has to do this, or the works are worthless, (laughs) the speech is worthless, unless it's generated of him. Yeah, another aspect of this, as we've talked about last week, is our needs. And if God's meeting our needs, part of that is He's meeting our needs to be able to glorify Him, right? And so how would you help tie those two concepts together, that we have needs, but we also are made to glorify Him? How do those two things fit together? Well, I think if you look at the Greek word for glory, like that I referenced in John 17, it's doxa. It essentially means this intrinsic heavy worth Hmm. or value. And that ties in, I mean, that's one of our essential needs. So you think of God, the, the worth, the value, the infinite worth of God's life gifted to us through the Holy Spirit hmm. puts an incredible statement of worth and value on yeah, us. Yeah, it really does. Which ties into this neediness because we have this essential depth of need to be worthy and valued. Mm. And so if you understand the Greek word, it just ties the two concepts perfectly together. Oh, God's glory has been gifted to us through this indwelling spirit, which speaks to my worthiness before him because of Mm. Jesus is doing this incredible, heavy, immense, beyond words 
worth and value, intrinsic value. And therefore, I, if I rest in that, then I rest in him meeting my need. Well, you also talk about Philippians 4.19 says that all of our needs are met through the riches of his glory mm-hmm. in yeah. yes. Christ Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Definitely, we're made for that and to display his glory. But I think essentially as beings, we're displaying glory of something. So if we like regardless, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, and what are we glorifying? We're gonna we get this later in the study, but what are we glorifying if we're not glorifying God? We're expressing Mm -hmm. selfishness. Mm -hmm. We're expressing that self-centered me. I'm the master of the universe, and I'm the one that's orchestrating things to get my needs met. And Mm -hmm. so that's a display of the character of the opposite of God, which is love. And so either way, I think, you know, it's directly tied to needs. And if we're getting our needs met from God, we'll be displaying his life. If we're not choosing to Mm. go to him to get our needs met, then we're going to be trying to get our needs met, but through establishing our own glory. And Jesus said, if I seek my own glory, it's nothing. Hmm. Right. And so Jesus recognized that concept. I could be here on this earth seeking my glory, but I'm seeking the glory of the father and manifesting him because he knew the Father was seeking his glory and was going to lift him up and give him a name that's above every name. So the very practice of acknowledging that God's meeting our needs glorifies him. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a dependence there. And if you're depending on him, that's faith. Hmm. And that allows God to get into action on our behalf. It's that attitude of going to him and and submitting to him and surrendering and trusting him that allows him to display his life through us. I mean, without recognizing our neediness, I don't believe it's even possible to glorify him because you have to recognize your neediness to invest your faith in the fact that his intrinsic worth and value has been invested in you. Sure, yeah. And in in that regard, Mm -hmm. if you're not living from that, then it's all about glorifying me or trying to establish my intrinsic worth on my own terms. Mm. And therefore, I can get my needs met my own way, and I'll prove that I'm worthy because I'll figure out how to make myself respectable or acceptable. Mm. So in a way, I don't know if you can really separate the two concepts. And if you don't have a source, you're like that lamp in the office that is unplugged. You look like a lamp, but you are not serving the purpose Mm -hmm. that God created you for. As we've kind of established what glorifying God and what our purpose is as humans, how have you guys personally experienced that in your life? How have you seen that play out personally for you? Well, I mean, for me, I'm a parent of five kids, and uh, I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast, you know, there's parenting issues that come up. And recently I was in a conversation with one of my children. It had to do with chores. It had to do with taking responsibility and getting things done. And I didn't feel like he was really listening to me in that moment or hearing me out. And I was getting frustrated. And as we talked, the Holy Spirit revealed to me the issue that the need that was not being met was respect. Hmm. In that moment, I was not resting in the glory of God, (laughs) the value and worth that he's poured into me. I was looking to get that worth and value through respect from my child Hmm. So that was not glorifying God. Now, as the conversation went on, the Spirit con- convicted me, and he, he prompted me to confess my sin. I said, son, please forgive me. I was trying to get respect from you. Hmm. I didn't feel respected. Now, this seems really kind of crazy, but that action was actually glorifying to God. Right, yeah. Even though it was a, you know, I was confessing a sin, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. But in that moment, I'm changing my mind. I'm repenting. I'm saying, I can't establish my glory, God, on my own by getting it from my children. Your glory in me is enough so I could humble myself and say, I was wrong, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. And so to me, my old way of thinking about glory would be like, oh, you know, singing hymns at church or, you know, giving money to, to the church and or maybe memorizing scripture or studying the Bible or 
testifying to God's greatness, which are all beautiful and wonderful things mm -hmm. that do give God glory when I'm living out of his life. But now every moment of every day, when I take a moment to listen to someone and give them my time and honor them through listening to them, I'm saying my time is get able to be given to you because my worth and value doesn't come from how I get to use my time. Mm. It comes from Christ in, within. Mm. And as I do, I'm glorifying him, even though that person may not be thinking about that. They're just saying, it's nice to have somebody listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think this kind of goes hand in hand with our design. It, we're designed to contain God's life and express it. And then the neediness that we talked about, the needs of humanity last week, and now it's the expression. So if you look as a cycle, how has it impacted me? When I look at how I'm designed, and as a result of that, there's an expression when I go to God and he meets my needs and then, and then his life is manifested, that gives me a whole different view on life. And I, and I remember in my life earlier on, there was a lot of emphasis in money and gaining money and maintaining money. And money offers a lot of those feelings of safety and security and, and provision in, in a lot of ways like God, you know? And so as a result you set into action. You know, in this chapter of purpose, we talk about the mechanics of how do you glorify God. You set into action a purpose. You make a choice with your will to behave in a certain way with an expectation that something's going to happen. So once you have that identity wrong and who you're going to meet means, then the expression is going to be a natural outflowing. And so for me, I think, as I look at this, we almost don't even have to focus on the purpose we focus more on the identity and where we go to get our needs met, submitting to him, and it's going to happen. As long as my hope is fixed on money and my thoughts are, how do I gain money and who do I have to control and what do I have to do and how can I get ahead, then naturally my behavior is going to, and that's going to be purely selfish motivation that's going to lead to glorifying myself versus God. But once I started understanding, I was made for this. I was I was given the Holy Spirit. This is a natural process for me to be kind to others, to be gentle and faithful and control of self. All these things is a natural outpouring or outflowing of God's life in me. It was a it's a game changer. But for me that started with that understanding of who I was and what my purpose was was not to go and meet my own needs and exhibit that as through selfishness. What you were saying, Ben, reminds me of an author named Bill Gillum when you were talking about understanding your design, spirit, soul, body, right? And the spirit within us is, is where the glory of God resides. And he talks about brushing my teeth in the morning is glorifying to God. Mm. And I don't honestly don't think when I'm brushing my teeth, oh, I'm glorifying God today, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think more of like, well, I need to take care of these teeth. But when I'm joined through the redemptive work of Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit, I'm one with him and I'm expressing his life through taking care of my body. And that's a manifestation of his life within the light of the world. It's not, I know, feeding orphans in Africa, yeah. but yet it's everything that I do, if I'm not willfully choosing to sin, is a manifestation of the glory of God when I understand how I was designed. Hmm. Well, that's what I love about it. When I recognized who I was in Christ, and I began to really believe it. That's where the impact came in, because then I rested. I didn't try so constantly to seek that significance in my family, my friends, my accomplishments, and I could just be mm -hmm. who he created me to be. And I think about a story, and I can't remember who the young man was, but he felt he was called to India. And he went out to India and went up on the platform to speak. And he saw that God had brought about a thousand young people to speak. And he was so excited, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. You know, this will bring glory to you. And after he finished, only one person hmm. came forward. But what he didn't know at the time, was that one person was Ravi Zacharias, <laughs> who would later become one of our most famous Christian apologists. Mm -hmm. So it was just be, you know, if you're called, go, but the results are in him 
And that's so, so comforting, refreshing to know he's the defender of whatever glory he gives me. Yeah, and I would say, you know, if we're focused on the significance of our actions, then then there's an underlying motive of glorifying self from the beginning. There's an inherent humbleness that has to be there in order to manifest God's life. But if we're thinking about, you know, what are we doing and what significance it's going to have, right there is a clue that maybe we're seeking our own glory. But I love that even in our ignorance or even in our sometimes fleshly selfishness, he still uses it. Yes. Yeah. I, he, he's just a God who can overcome and, and uses us in spite of ourselves sometimes. <laughs> but well, I, I like can how, rest in that. Yeah. I like how they all, all the topics we've gone over so far fit together. And like you said, Ben, produce glory for God when we understand who he is and his character. Right? When, like you said with Moses, part of just understanding God's glory is understanding who he is and how we're designed and that we have needs and how all these things fit together that when we submit ourselves to get, let God meet our needs because he's trustworthy and good and we were designed to contain his glory, then all of a sudden, naturally and without striving and effort, the, by- the byproduct is, hey, God gets glory from this. You know, We get to experience and partake in that glory. But ultimately, it comes back to, look how amazing our God is, and look look what he can do with broken Amen. vessels and imperfect people, and, you know, it really just does shine the light on, I guess pun intended, how amazing <laughs> he is, you know? Yeah, Paul said, in him we mo- live and move and have our being, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good encapsulation of what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's an empowering message. It's extremely empowering, whereas what Bo was talking about, the biking and the light and working hard, mm-hmm. that's a disempowering message. You know, it makes me think that i got to generate something, but if I know he's in me and he wants to come out and he's coming out, and then I can just flow with that, that's an empowering, encouraging, and it moves you forward. Yeah. Otherwise, you're in constant frustration. Yeah, well, in constant fatigue, too. I and mean, fatigue. I think of bike riding, I mean, mm-hmm. that— to me, that sounds terrible. I don't like riding, riding bikes. It's, <laughs> it's not fun for me. And so, you know, Bo, your analogy of that really, you know, hits me hard because I'm like, man, that light would just not be very bright if it were up to me. I'm like, this is just too much work. Along those lines, you know, I I think of, let's say that there's a light that needs to be generated, that God gives us that light. Well, he also supplies the resources and the direction for us to be able to glorify him. And so, you know, like we talked about, he's given us himself. He's given us what we need to be able to make that happen. So how have you guys seen that in your life where maybe there was an instance where God actually supplied what you needed or the resources or the direction in your life to be able to glorify him? Well, I saw it back when I was a young teacher of the youth. I taught 11th grade, and I enjoyed it. And one year, one of the directors, we had a director in the department, and that was the person who took the role and did a little devotional and basically got all the kids in line so the teacher could teach. And there'd been another woman working with me, and she'd been director, and she suddenly decided she wanted to try teaching. And she asked me, would I switch and be the director? And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And as the director, uh, I'm trying to get this new class of 11th graders to sit down, listen. We affectionately called them Barb's Pottery Kids because they'd all done arts and crafts the last year and <laughs> didn't really want any serious Bible study. Mm. So I kind of looked like the enforcer. And it was made worse by the fact that the woman who was teaching really struggled to express what she knew about the Bible and often, more often gave her opinion rather than really researching the Word. Yeah. And so I was having to step in a lot. And one of the girls in the class thought, oh, Jamie's being harsh, critical, and mean, mm-hmm. and went to the associate pastor who called me in and said, I think I need to sit in on the class just to see how things are going. 
And at first I was hurt and I was angry. And then I heard God say, I'm your defender. Hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I would rather you not do that. I'm afraid it'll undermine the authority that I have in the class. But will you let me pray about it and give me a week and see if I can't correct this? So that week I prayed and I wasn't getting any direction at first. Finally, Saturday, I look at the devotional I'm supposed to do, and it says, have someone give their testimony. And God spoke to me, and he said, you do it. <laughs> I'd never given my testimony. I'd never, I'd given bits and pieces, but never a full testimony. And I said, well, Lord, you'll have to bring it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. So the next morning, every single student was in that class, except the girl who'd gone to the pastor. But I gave my testimony and I shared with them my passion for them knowing this grace in which they stood and this this love of God and the knowledge of him and shared the struggles that I'd had uh, growing up as a teenager. And when I finished, I looked around and several were crying and some were trying not to. So I thought, okay, Nothing more was said, and I had no trouble with any students for the rest of the year. But at the end of the year, we were asked to ask the students, how are you impacted by this class? What have you learned? So I asked them that, and there was quiet, and there was silence. And then one young man, who was kind of the leader in the class, spoke up, and he said, I'll never forget your testimony. And then all the heads started bobbing. Hmm. And I said, there you go, God, thank you, because I never would have done that. Hmm. And that was him being my defender, him speaking through me, supplying Mm -hmm. my need, using it for his glory, not mine, certainly, but I saw him come through. Yeah, it's amazing. He gave you the, the idea, the resources to be able to connect to those kids and create a different environment that you probably wouldn't have figured out on your own. And resting and believing that you experienced his worth and his value empowering you. And then, yes, yes, you did great deeds, but he gets the glory. He got the glory. He manifested through Mm -hmm. you. It's beautiful. I was thinking about this, and it seems like when we recognize it the most is when we feel that we don't have the resources for the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I heard that in your story and I, and I was thinking about mine, there's those situations when you don't feel like you have what it takes, but God's calling you to something. And I may have shared this story on a previous episode about we had a stillborn son and I just remember God speaking to my heart saying, I want you to have a memorial service and declare that I'm good. And that is like the last thing my flesh was saying, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be up there in front. But I said, yes. And I felt his presence while I was there. And oh, you were there and the family was there. We all shared of God's goodness in the middle of our loss. And man, it was. People were impacted and they saw God through that. So I think, yeah, that's a big thing. Not that God's spirit is not always working and supplying, but maybe we don't realize it as strongly. The most times we realize that the strongest is when we realize we're totally inadequate for the situation, mm-hmm. even though all the time we are completely dependent on everything as a gift from him. Sometimes it, it just really gets exposed. So, And sometimes it's those big stories like what y'all mentioned, but f- sometimes I think it's also in the little things during the day too. Like recently yesterday, day before yesterday, the spirit of just He was just uh, ministering to me and he was saying, Bo, I want you to redefine your concept of what success is, which is historically of how many people I'm reaching, you know, ministering to, or what's the, the breadth and depth of the ministry. And he said, Bo, the success I want you to focus on is enjoying my presence (laughs) with you just through your normal everyday life. And when I do that, I'm experiencing the intrinsic worth and value that he's poured in my life, his presence. And as I do, I manifest the glory, even though I don't have any measurable results in that moment. You know, there's there's no numbers that we can attach to that. But the peace of Christ is so real within 
And then that ripples out to how I interact with different people I run into during that day, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. And you need that quiet confidence in managing all of the problems that come into a counseling office. And I can say for sure that in each of you men, I have seen that confidence that is never an arrogance. Hmm. And that is, it's got to be God. We know that. Wow, that's a very com- yeah. uh, kind <laughs> comment. We'll receive that. We're going to replay that one over and over yeah. so people really hear that one. You should. <laughs> that might t- make it on every episode. Right. <laughs> it's just the truth. You're talking, Bo, about peace. It is peace. It's that inner restfulness, but it's also a satisfaction. When we're receiving from God, enjoying His presence and displaying His life, there's a sense of peace, yes, but also a sense of like, this is what I was made for that just feels right. That's the Piper quote. Yeah. yeah. Most satisfied in Him. It is, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And once we get off of that, we're going to get into the dissatisfaction and the search for trying to fill that. Hmm. Well, I think that it makes it clear what glorifying looks like because it's an experience that we have that isn't natural, that isn't, you know, physically, and it could be for any situation, it could be at any time, but it's when we allow God to really show up and give us what we need in the moment. Again, maybe it's something big and difficult that when we feel weakest, He's strongest, you know, He makes us strong. Or like Bo said, even in the most mundane day-to-day things, there's a different experience of life Again, you say satisfaction. I always equate it to when we get a taste of what real life is like, you, you don't ever want to go back. And then you go back and then you try to glorify yourself, and you're like, that doesn't taste the same. That's just not the same experience. And I think that's the beauty of what God does is as he glorifies himself, it changes us. It changes our desire for life. It changes our view of life. And it has such an impact, not just on those around us, but for us as well. Well, it's that verse that says we are being transformed Mm -hmm. from glory to glory. There's that transformation happening that we may not even realize that it's happening, Mm -hmm. but it's happening as we keep receiving from him. Speaking to that idea of satisfaction, I was thinking, too, that it's not always easy. There's an inner restfulness and a sense of satisfaction, but it could be very strenuous on the flesh. I was thinking... Jesus, I mean, his greatest display of the glory of God, the greatest display of love in the entire universe was what he went through, getting beaten, falsely Mm. accused, stripped, hung up, and being exposed like that. That's his greatest challenge, which which was not pleasurable in any means, Mm -hmm. but yet that was the biggest display of God's glory. So sometimes it's very strenuous on us, but at the same time we can experience that peace and a sense of good flavor, as mm-hmm. you described <laughs> yeah. it, in the middle. Yeah. And I think Jesus had a joy that was set before him that he was experiencing uh, even yeah. in that moment. For sure. Know. Well, it says it's producing in us an eternal weight of glory, the sufferings that's somehow connected. It's not the part we like to talk about or, or live through, but I think it's happening when we don't even realize it, and it is producing a benefit. Yeah, it's amazing how God works that way. Or half the time, you just don't even recognize it, but he's always at work. He's even when we're sleeping work. or even in the mm-hmm. most mundane or most difficult situations, we can see God working. With that in mind, we've talked about how we've experienced it. Um, how have you guys, how have you been challenged by understanding your purpose and of glorifying God? What's the biggest challenge in your life to accept that or to live it out? I think it's contrary to the way the world has trained all of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Paul says in Romans 12 to be not be conformed to the world, but be transformed through renewing of the mind. 
I told you about that the bike analogy and trying to pedal the bike to light the light. Mm -hmm. And that was the way the world trained me. I've got to be doing something productive mm -hmm. to glorify God. And yet Jesus said, you know, in the whole Martha and Mary story that, you know, sitting at his feet, he didn't use the word glorifying, but mm -hmm. that's the needful thing, I yeah. think, is one translation says. And so it's just counterintuitive to the way the world has trained me. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the greatest challenges is learning to renew my thoughts with his thoughts and then choosing, like Ben said, it was difficult in the flesh or hard on the flesh, you know, mm -hmm. the way that I've learned to get worth and value and is from accomplishments, from measurables, from whatever it is and wrestling with that. And it comes across in subtle ways of trying to glorify myself, even, you know, as I'm pedaling that bike for furiously. Yeah. And learning just to rest in that life, that's one of the biggest challenges for me. And I think it's been a growth journey for mm -hmm. me. The Spirit shows me at times when I'm not doing anything what most people would call overtly sinful, but it's still a work of the flesh because it's dependent on my energy to glorify God. Yeah, and the world does that on uh, overdrive, where it's like every aspect of your life, sports, mm -hmm. family, work, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's about you striving to achieve and to achieve your own glory. Mm -hmm. So, yeah... I for sure. I think that's it. It's so hard for us to receive rather than achieve mm. because of all that we live with mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. For me, it's easy to try to justify myself and make sure that other people know that I'm right or justified in what I'm doing. Mm. It's convicting to me to read Jesus' life, how he fully entrusted himself and his reputation of the Father and that, that led him to be able to stand in front of people falsely accusing him and not be defensive, but to be loving. Hmm. And I mean, it, it's a challenge for me. I, even last night, you know, my wife was, I felt like she had misunderstood. And so I was going overboard saying of why I did what I did <laughs> to, so that she would agree with me that I was right and that I didn't do anything wrong. And she looked at me and she's like, why are you trying so hard to convince me? <laughs> and that's a good question you know sure, yeah. what, what was my motivation in that and i have to say that in that moment it was for my own glory so that i would be justified and vindicated and that she would say that i was okay and jesus didn't live like that he lived for the glory of another which is originally what we were designed for and remade for in christ mm. yeah another completely foreign idea to the rest of the world is I mean, you got to all you have is your name and what it's worth, and so you defend it tooth and nail. I mean, that's exactly what you're taught. And I mean, how weird is it to say that I'm not even going to defend my reputation unless God asks me to? But I'm not going to defend my reputation because that's up to God to determine what that is. That's a very <laughs> strange concept, indeed. Well, in that story I told you, it was ten years later before the associate pastor knew the story behind it. He, oh, and wow. my, he and my husband were talking one day, mm. and I don't know how they got on the subject, and my husband explained what had really originally happened, because I had heard God say, I'll defend, and so mm. I let it go, one of the few times that I did, <laughs> I did, and he came up to me later and apologized and said how thankful he was that I listened to God and didn't let him step in that day, but that I had listened to God. And he would often pull me over when he wanted me to talk to someone about counseling. And he would say, I want you to meet Jamie. Grace has really changed her. <laughs> and I think, gee whiz, how bad was I? <laughs> but it was something that God had done, and I could rest in it. I think, Karen, what Ben said about Jesus brings to mind the story of John in the book of John, where Jesus lays aside his robes and washes the disciples' feet. Yeah. And one of the things that the Lord has shown is showing, will continue to show me, is a lot of times I'm looking for credit for what I've done. Hmm. And some kind of, I want to establish that. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go over top because I've learned how the society works. But, you know, I have my subtle ways. There's a middle ground there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's <laughs> definitely a middle ground, and I learned it. And yet, this is how good God is, is he says, I can still be glorified in that, Bo, because when you start to agree with me and repent, you're tapping into my glory. <laughs> but wait a minute, what I just did wasn't glorifying. Yeah, that wasn't glorifying. Yeah. Um, but you receiving me, my instruction, my leadership, my loving reminder to you of my glory that's in you, 
that's glorifying to me. And you learn from it. Yes. And, and transformed you. Exactly. And then, and Jesus, of course, he said he knew where he was coming from and where he was going. And mm-hmm. so he was resting in the glory of the Father. And that's why he served. And that's why he didn't have to. I mean, I don't think the apostles probably really figured out that whole foot washing thing probably until he was gone. Uh, of course, he instructed them right there about it. Yeah. But, and I'm sure they understood it at that point. But to, to understand the magnitude of mm-hmm. it probably in retrospect. And so he's patient with that, but that's one of the challenges is I don't always see things clear. I don't even see myself clearly and I have to listen and walk and wait. And he shows me. Yeah. So even just to summarize it, it makes me think that glorifying God or that our purpose is to depend on God. I mean, it, it boils down to if we can simplify it and make it easy for, you know, people to really understand it's, it's a dependency upon God in every aspect, for everything, at all times. And that takes a relationship, that that personal, intimate relationship. It is, it's impossible. That dependence comes in the relationship, and without either of those, you're not going to have a display of His glory. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus said, apart from me. You can do, do nothing. nothing. Yeah. Not that you can't wash disciples' feet. Uh, or, you know, we couldn't wash people's feet. We could do that. But he said, if you're not dependent on the Father like I was dependent on the Father, it's worth nothing. Yeah, so this, so a single action, you could do the same thing for two completely separate motives. So I guess my, my question then to clarify that is, how do you know when you're depending upon God or then doing it out of your own strength? You burn out. <laughs> if you're when you're doing it, it at your, your own strength. strength. Yeah. For sure. It all gets to the motive. If I'm in a place of submission and faith, then it's going to be a display of God. But if I'm in a position of depending on my strength and my energy, trying to manipulate and control with my action, even if it's a good action like donating money to charity or praying out loud in front of people like Jesus said to the Pharisees Mm -hmm. or either one of those examples, um, they've got their reward. And the Heavenly Father is not manifested. It's them manifesting their life. So motive is is the way that I see. But even that, we don't have to police our motive, I don't think. We just focus on Christ, and He transforms us and displays us. We walk with Him, mm-hmm. and we won't carry out the desires of the flesh. I see sometimes, too, the results of my following after the flesh in that moment. And I see the lack of success in it is showing me he wasn't in that that was all me Hmm. and there's that death that it talks about there's life in the spirit and there's death from following after the flesh and it's death of success relationships you know progress i think some i think some people can have success you know you're saying i think yeah a lot of times our flesh doesn't isn't successful but i think even sometimes our flesh can be successful when we try to but i think for the believer he doesn't leave us without that knowledge. He yeah, wants yeah. to show us. He wants us to know. I think the end result's is the same. Is whether we have success or not, it's going to be an emptiness. There's going to be a void and a lack of experiencing, like I said, that taste of true life. Because I think even in our flesh, if we experience success, the very next moment we're going to be like, well, what if I can't do it again? Yeah. And we start mm. doubting and we're worried. Whereas if it's God and it's based on Him, I don't have to worry about the next time. I know He's going to come right. through and I... Again, like we said, I can rest and depend on that. Ultimately, I think it just comes down to the Spirit. The Spirit said He's going to bring it to our mind. He's going to show us. In mm. the Old Testament, I think it's in Isaiah, He talks about, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk therein. Mm-hmm. And He'll show you what success, sure. was it birth of Him marks, yeah. or of your own strength. I was looking at David, and David's life is amazing on a lot of different levels, but one thing that stood out to me this time is just how many times it said David inquired of the Lord, and even Mm. he had been anointed king, the next king, and Saul's dead, Jonathan died in battle, and his flesh would be like, now's the time, let's get it on, God already told me this would happen, (laughs) but it says David inquired of the Lord, what should I do? And God said, I want you to go up, where should I go, God, Mm. I want you to go here. And I think that's submission, that relationship hearing from him was a perfect picture of then God's displayed because God raised up David and then God got all the credit for who David was and what he did. It wasn't David exalting himself every step of the way. He inquired of the Lord. Of course, there's a few examples of him not doing that to his (laughs) destruction, you know, but there is a lot of displays of God's glory in his life. 
Now, we've talked a lot about Jesus along the way and just different ways that he's expressed God's glory, but Jesus was God, and he is God's glory. And so I just wondered if there was anything that stuck out to you about Jesus' life that we haven't mentioned yet that really just encapsulates God's glory or our purpose to glorify God and what that really looks like. Well, you mentioned dependence is the key to manifesting the glory of God. And Jesus says, I do nothing of my own initiative. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And so his, to me, it encapsulates the revealed work of God that we know of Jesus in the gospels reveal this total dependence, which is why God was glorified. So I think to sum it up in a nutshell, it's that's how he lived every day. Mm -hmm. I don't take initiative. I inquire of the father, basically, if we were using David's words. And to me that he says, go and do likewise. Hmm. In other words. So, but what does that look like in your daily routine? What does that look like? Never doing anything but what the father says. How does that look in Bo Brazina's life this morning? Well, I think it, it's not that I'm taking 30 minutes to pray before I start the car out to go to work. Should I go to work today, God, or should I not? It's this awareness of his presence and his guidance that I am in him and he is in me and that he is going to reveal to me what he has in mind. So sometimes that's an inward peace with this is how he wants me to proceed. In other words, sometimes there's not a peace. And so he's saying to wait. It's an asking, God, I don't know what to say here. I do this often with my kids, (laughs) but I don't do it often enough. (laughs) I do it often, but not enough. Uh, Where I say, God, I don't know what to do here. (laughs) You know, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know how to handle it. And that's the most glorifying thing, like just hearing you say that. Yes. And so it's not a five-second prayer, okay, God says this, boom, I'm doing it. It's a moment-by-moment awareness and also an awareness that because I have a new heart, that my desire is to honor him. And so there's freedom in that. There's freedom to brush my teeth before I put my clothes on or, or, or after I shave or whatever. I mean, sure. it's not there's only one way to brush the teeth and it has to be at this time. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's an ongoing relational dependence. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, that's good. I was just looking for some practical things. I think tying it back into concept of God, you know, not only does it take a willingness to listen in in that attitude of a heart that wants to, but it also has to be a heart that is willing to carry out what he says. And I think for me, getting to that point of saying, if you tell me something, then I'm going to say yes, comes right from understanding him as a God who is love that has my best interest in mind. In addition to everybody else, he's got their best interest in mind. And that really is a transformative belief that allows me to say, even before he tells me what to do, to say, yes, I'm willing to do what you say. And that's a new heart, too, that we've been given. And that brings us right back to Jesus, because he's the giver of the new heart. Hmm. And he, he so loved that he gave. Yeah. I, w- I like to use this analogy a lot of times in the counseling room. You know, I work with a lot of teenagers, and so they're still in school and taking tests. And so I use this analogy where if they walked into class the first day of school and the teacher gave them a test as soon as they sat down and said, this test is worth 100% of your grade. You know, I, I always ask them, how, how would you feel about that? It's kind of like, you know, again, the bike analogy. This is your life. You've got to work, 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 work. Well, how do you feel about that? You're, you're going to be a little tense and stressed about it. And if it's worth 100% of your grade, you're going to be really stressed about that, right? And so, you, you know, a student would pick up the pencil and start looking at the test. And obviously, they haven't studied any of it. They haven't been in the class. And all of a sudden, the teacher starts walking back up and down the aisles, dropping another piece of paper on the desk. And it's the answers. And I always ask the teenager, I'm like, how many times, if the, you know, obviously the teacher's giving you permission to use it by giving it to you, how many times out of 100 are you going to use that answer sheet? They always say every time. I mean, if it's worth that much, like I'm not going to risk my entire grade off of my guesses. I'm going I'm to take the real thing. And I say, well, in our lives, why don't we do that with God? God is the answer sheet to our lives. He knows what's going to happen. He has the resources, the ability, the knowledge of what's going to happen in our lives. And part of that process of depending upon God is being able to trust him with our future and that in that moment, he's going to give me what I need to be able to answer the the questions of life because I don't know. And it's that moment where when we disconnect and say, well, I do know or I'm going to guess and it's up to me to figure out where we experience that anxiety and that fear 
and that running that rat race where I've got to generate my own ability or resources to answer the question as opposed to saying, God, I depend on you for it. Like you said, inquiring of God, what should I do here? You already know what the best answer is. And in doing that very question and exercise of just acknowledging our place and his place as God glorifies him. I think God just gave me permission to steal that. (laughs) <laughs> you're free to cheat the cheat sheet yes again awesome thank you guys so much for being here today and discussing this with me we'll see you next week on episode five thanks Ross. thanks thank you for listening to this week's podcast next week we will look at the meaning of the two trees in the garden of eden We will discuss what these trees represent in our lives and how our freedom to choose is central to understanding God and His love. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless. God bless.